family and friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast, ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one, let's go. Another game day starts early here on Tim and Friends. Jays in Philly, second of two, comes your way on Sportsnet starting 6 p.m. Eastern. Jamie and Joe, Blue Jays Central will get you started and we'll get you set with Ben Nicholson-Smith from Citizens Bank Park. And if you need more edutainment, we will continue on Sportsnet 360. Jesse Rubinoff, me, Timothy, Anthony Stewart will also drop by as camps open across the NHL. Hi, Jesse. And the <laughs> Women's World Cup of Basketball is on Sportsnet starting tonight with the fourth-ranked Canadians taking on Serbia, 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 on the west side. Amy Audibert, Sportsnet basketball analyst, will stop by to break down the tournament and Canada's chances in said tournament. Oh, the national stuff about to come thick and fast mm -hmm. as the Canadian men's soccer team has a pair of friendlies in the next week starting on Friday. World Cup in November. Jay's magic number is eight and counting. Major League Baseball playoffs about to get underway. The NFL is already bonkers. CFL playoffs around the corner. And yes, the NHL season is on the horizon. Oh, Dr. Jesse, this is going to be fun. Does it not feel like the most wonderful time yeah. of the year. There's often debate about this too, right? Like it's either the end of September around March right Matt. now oh, or right. the yeah, right. April Masters, that kind of mm -hmm. March Madness time. Right. So I, I don't know. I'm, What's I'm, your vote? I'm divided. I'm a bit divided. You know I'm biased because of how much I care about the game of golf. Well, you mean and the Masters. Words. And I wake up to the <laughs> Masters theme song in April so right. for four days in April. So right. Are, do you think it's better than right now? Well, I think in like a week or two that takes the cake. What happens when basketball also gets That's going? what I mean. So you have everything <laughs> it, going at the yes. exact same time. In, and then you yeah. throw in all the international stuff too. Raptors media day is Monday yeah. of next week. It, it, it's insane how quickly it happens. It really is. Blink of an eye. I mean, the next couple months could be almost as ridiculous, almost as ridiculous as this World Bowl shot by Nick Brent, our buddy. Well, he's very close to splitting the two Red Bulls and getting to the jack. That's what the target is. Oh, look at this. Oh, that is ridiculous. That is just so good. Okay. That's Almost. too good. Almost as ridiculous as that. Yeah, that's what they say. That's, that's a too good, right? They do that in, like, tennis. That's the line. Golf. Too good. It's like, yeah, too soccer, footy. Can I, can I replace it? Too, yeah, go for it. This is better than most. Nice. Well played. It truly is better than most. Oh, better than most. The touch is exquisite. Like, there aren't words in the vocabulary to describe the exquisiteness of that shot. I, I say that, uh, that you, me, uh, a lot of the crew get together. Uh, we have a couple drinks and we roll bowls. I feel like that would be a lot of fun. I feel like it would be a lot of fun. I mean, is it different than bocce? Is that, like, that's the Polino? Like, we're just playing bocce ball and they call yeah. it bowls, right? Sure, yeah. I mean, it's all curling of another sort, right? Just one of the many underrated sports that there are out there. You know what's taking the world by storm these days? What's that? Not to derail us, but... Pickleball. Yeah, you're right. Boom. Got it. That's it. You're right. It's too... Like, have you played pickleball before? I haven't played, but I want to play. It's and I so had, good. like... I wish I remember the woman's name who told me that pickleball was the next biggest thing. It was a golf tournament. Could have invested sat early. At the table, yeah. And she was just like, you got to understand how great this game of pickleball is. Mm -hmm. And... 
I, I have listened, I understood, I got why it was good, but I have not played as of yet. I think I would kick ass. Yeah, it's fun. Because you're not moving as much as tennis. You didn't call that at all? No? Wow, I know. I've, I've never played before, so. and I said I think it might kick ass. I don't know. Former athlete? You <laughs> like, I, I, did you see the video of Kevin Durant playing uh, a bit of a stretch, like last no. week? No. He was playing, and like, yeah, you don't really have to move that much. So. Well, you don't have to move. That's the beauty of it, yeah. right? Like, it's like you can't overpower and exactly. or overspeed someone. You yeah. have to overthink them. Yeah, it's a, it's a perfect balance, I think, between athleticism and trying to outsmart your opponent. Right. Uh, so it gives people who maybe you know can't move around as well on the tennis court a little bit More of a better go. Right. Easier have you go. played? I have. It's fine. Are you good? Nah, I'm as good as anyone else. Do you want to challenge I'm me? I'm average. Do you want to play? Sure. Yeah. For money. Not? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> we'll set that. Then we have a $500 bet that we also have to settle by the end of the year too. What was the $500 I bet? I don't remember. We'll have to go to the table. Did we ever bet on my 40 if I'd be faster? You that's can't... what it is. That's what it is. Is that what it yeah, was? That's exactly yeah. what it was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you did. We did bet on that. Yeah. We can double or nothing on pickleball. Whatever you want. It's okay. Yeah. We'll figure it out. All right. <laughs> All of that to say the next couple months should be fun. And as always, we hope your game day starts right here with Tim and Friends. And Tim and Friends starts with First Things First and Jesse Rubinoff. So shout out to friend of the show, Evan Schreifel, for this one. Tell me what's buzzing Jake Muzzin. Nice. First Things First. Oh, Evan. Evan sent it in. Well done, Evan. There are those who are beginning to send those in. I appreciate it, because I have run out of them. And it is that time of year. Uh, before we get to hockey, though, uh, we got to go to the Blue Jays. It was a wild one in Philly last night as the Jays beat the Phillies 18-11 in the opener of their two-game series. They're back at it tonight. Another 6:45 start with Blue Jays Central coming up at 6 Eastern on Sportsnet. Both teams are battling for playoff spots, but that didn't look much like postseason baseball, did it? Hell to the nah. To crow a great man, hell to the nah. To the na na na. 29 runs, 36 hits, four errors, 11 pitchers last night. I learned that at Tim and Friends on Twitter. What the Mike Schmidt was that last night? I mean, you were the one that pointed this out to me, but did did Keith Hernandez not yeah. say that he hates doing Phillies games because they can't play defense? Yeah, so here's the deal with that. Uh, SNY broadcaster Keith Hernandez, former major leaguer, obviously. Right. Uh, this was about a month and a half ago where he had this to say when it comes to the Phillies and the way they play defense. I've expressed to the, to the front office, not the Met front office, our front office of SNY, that, that I, I hate doing Philly games. So I guess they gave, they gave me the, the series off. You hate doing Philly games? Oh, because they always never seem to... Up and in fastball, uh, they never seem to uh, disappoint. I mean, they, they, over the years, now they're hot right now. I would, I would like to see them, but you know, as far as fundamentally and defensively, the Phillies have always been just, you know, not up to it. Which is ridiculous in of itself. He expressed to the, the bosses that he works for that he doesn't want to work because he doesn't respect the game that the Phillies play. So the Phillies, in response to this. Then on their broadcast, started stamping good defensive plays with a Keith Hernandez approved stamp <laughs> in the bottom of the corner, which you could see right there. So a bit of a, a battle between Keith Hernandez. Okay, and the but Phillies. Keith Hernandez appears to be right. 
Yeah, based on last night, yes. Last night, they're taking yes. out cameramen. Yes. They're losing. Two guys lost one ball at the same time. I don't know how that happens. You had a shortstop and Schwarber out and left. Here's the cameraman taking collateral yeah. damage. I mean, right off the old noggin. We had this we were still on the air when that happened. Have, have you seen two guys lose a ball before? No. This but, looks like me playing third base. Is it like what is it the lights in Philly? What's the deal? Are they just they just are are they all subpar defensive players together and then you put them together and they're just a bad team? Who's in a playoff spot? No, you, this is what Keith Hernandez is suggesting, and from what I have seen, this team does not express a lot. I mean, how about Bryce Harper? Bryce Harper was saying, hopefully we all get it together by the end of the season and we make this run to the – they're a playoff team right now in the National League. Now, it appears as though they'll be down to two games against the Brewers because the Brewers are winning right now. However, Bryce Harper got doubled – it was 7-1. They got it to 7-5. And Bryce Harper on what was a lazy fly ball to center field, mm-hmm. maybe a line drive, got doubled off at second base – by George Springer to end an inning. It wasn't even close, really. Like, that, that to me, if you're paying that much money to that, I'm surprised they don't get raked over the coals more in Philadelphia team. Like, it feels like the notoriously tough Philadelphia fans sometimes forget about the Phillies. Yeah, and it, the Bryce Harper thing is, is really interesting, too, because that is the type of play that I think if that happened with the Blue Jays, and we saw that situation with Teoscar Hernandez running the bases, the everyone then called for him to be benched the next day. So you just wonder, should Bryce Harper be in the lineup today when you make a mental mistake? What kind of a message does that send? And as you're seeing right now, he is in the lineup. Well, when, for the when you signed Bryce Harper to that much money, you knew what was going on. In what sense? The clown question, bro. Like, Bryce Harper has a little clown in him too, right? Mm-hmm. Well, he said, yeah. I mean, he is wonderfully. That's how you respond to that question, yeah, clearly. He is a wonderfully talented guy, but he's a pain in the ass too. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And when you get doubled off like that, it's ridiculous, especially yeah. when you're fighting for a playoff spot and you've come back from 7-1 seven, seven, down to get to 7-5. You get doubled off in second like that. Yeah, it, It's ridiculous. As for the Toronto Blue Jays, I mean, the hitting is going. I guess we can say that, right? Like, you got Chapman, you got Jansen, um, Stripling not so good, but... Danny Jansen is as hot as anyone in Major League Baseball mm-hmm. right now. I don't yeah, know, last 19 games, 394, 71, 695. Like, the OPS is <laughs> good. Very good. Yeah. I mean, it's a conversation for the offseason, obviously, but it, it makes you wonder if you have catchers performing the way that they are performing. Well, they'll trade one of them, without a doubt. Yeah. Without a doubt. But we don't have to worry about that now. No, that's an offseason no, conversation. That's a 14-5 and five record. Yeah. In the month of September, the Jays are now two games up on the Rays for the first wild card. As you saw by the standings, they are two and a half up on the Mariners. Um, Orioles seem like they're out of it right now. Jays' magic number is down to eight, but they're unable. Unable are the Jays to gain ground on the Yankees, Mm -hmm. despite the fact that New York was down 8-4 8-4 going to the bottom of the ninth at Yankee Stadium, as we saw live last night yeah, good job on Sportsnet mm-hmm. Central. Without a doubt, the Bronx Bombers were saved by, well, the Bronx Bombers. Here's the 3-1. Drill deep to left field. There it goes. Number 60. Slide over, babe. You've got some company. Aaron James Judge has tied George Herman Babe Ruth 
with 60 home runs. Bases loaded. Judge has hit his 60th home run. Now the Yankees are trying to win the game. That one's drilled to left field. Is it high enough? See ya! A walk-off grand slam, and the Yankees win! Judge hits 60, and the Yankees win in walk-off fashion. Uh, they had a pretty good time at Yankee Stadium last night. Unbelievable. Like it's, it, it's funny. You look at what happened with Stanton, and you wonder, like, did that get overshadowed by a guy hitting 60? Like, what a confluence of events to happen in one inning. If you're a Jays fan, you're like, okay, we're going to creep closer to the Yankees, and yeah. it makes Monday series that starts on Monday that much more exciting. Yeah. And then that happens. The local broadcasters did. were like, uh, this was a really entertaining game yeah. in the ninth inning. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of it was caca, but for the Yankees, the ninth inning was unbelievable. Judge Hitch's 60th home run, doing so in 147 games. He becomes the fastest Yankee to hit 60 in the season. He beats Maris. He beats Babe Ruth. He's the third fastest in Major League history. The other two were obvious juice pigs. He's now the first <laughs> player pigs. since Miguel Cabrera. Am I lying? First no. player since Miguel Cabrera to uh, have a triple crown this late in the season. And I don't know if you know this, but Miguel Cabrera won the triple crown <laughs> in 2012. He could be the first Yankee to do it. Um, he is the first Yankee to hold all three leads this late in the season since Mickey Mantle in 1956. Like, Judge is so ridiculous that you see where he leads. That's the Triple Crown watch. Hector Gomez on Twitter listed all of the things that Aaron Judge leads Major League Baseball in, at least the American League in. Batting average home runs, RBI runs, extra base hits, total bases. Bases on balls, on base percentage, slugging percentage, OPS, OPS plus, and war. And a lot of those, yeah. in fact, all but two, he's the major league leader. Ridiculous yeah. season, and without a doubt, right now, your MVP. I got you, babe. Very cool. Slide over, babe. All of it very cool. Now just imagine this. Steve Cohen owner of the Mets, billionaire, simply opens up the pocketbook and gives what he gives Aaron Judge the godfather offer. Mm -hmm. Could Steve Cohen change the landscape of New York baseball with one swing of his pen? Of course he can. It has nothing to do with the Yankees in the sense that they're going to offer him probably as much as anybody else would be willing to offer him. Everyone's going to give him every dollar you could possibly imagine. But it's up to him. It's if he wants to stay a New York Yankee. And the Yankees can offer as much as he wants. If Judge wants to leave, he's leaving. Right? Okay, but I'm talking about Steve Cohen, the, the billionaire yeah. Mets oligarch, saying, I want this guy and basically writing him a check for half a billion yeah. dollars, could he change the landscape of New York baseball, which forever has been the Yankees' number one by a landslide and the New York mm. Mets? I don't think so. I don't think Judge is enough to do it. I think the Yankees will go out and get somebody else, and they will always be good because that's who the Yankees are. But it would be a significant gut punch for sure it would be one of the biggest gut punches that we of have ever time. seen yeah. yeah with the new york yankees 
I mean, what do you think? There's maybe been one or two other even close to this. What would be worse, him going to the Mets, which could, could change? So it would be worse than the Red Sox. That's it. Yeah, the Mets walking across town to the billionaire. Now, this is what I think. I think that Aaron Judge knows this. I think the New York Yankees know this. And I think Aaron Judge writes down his number on a napkin, and the New York Yankees give it to him. After turning down, what, $213 million, there are people shaking their head that he turned down $213 million. My guy is going to cash in for like $300 million (laughs) at very least. This is one of the greatest contract years that we have ever seen in any sport. Did you see what Hector Gomez just put (laughs) up there? That's a contract. My guy is going to get paid, and he's doing it in New York, and Steve Cohen, you know, is absolutely positively salivating at the idea that he may be able to pull that rug out from underneath the New York bleeping Yankees. Yeah. Okay, speaking of getting paid, so Judge hits the home run last night, and the fan who caught it, just classy gesture, hands it back. That ball probably would have been worth a lot of money. But in a very classy gesture... He just decides to give it back. Is that cut or uncut in your opinion? This is the pylon that that fan survived in order to claim number 60 only to do the absolute right thing. And that is hand it over to Aaron Judge for free, knowing full well that you're going to go into that clubhouse, (laughs) which boys get the picture taken, everyone's getting signed balls, everyone's getting signed bats. We need more of this both ways in Major League Baseball, where the players do more for the fans and the fans do more for the players. Uh, the whole Zach Hampel, is that that kid's name? That is correct, yes. That, that, yes. that thing is done. He's a loser. The, the home run Stop chaser. Stop doing it. I, I'm almost jealous of him mm-hmm. and all of the home run balls that he's been able to collect because he makes a living going and watching baseball games. So good on you, Zach. Yeah. Fair point. However... Stop knocking kids over and getting into dog piles in order to get those balls. Yeah, so if that kid wants to go back and try and catch 61, maybe 62, I mean, he could hit as many, he could probably hit three in one game if he wanted to tonight. He's that uh, good, he's that locked in. But the ticket prices in left field specifically are exorbitant. All right, so I went to uh, StubHub to check this out. Yeah. And if we take my computer here, uh, director Matt Taylor. Wonderful director. Uh, it's easy to grab seats for today's game. I don't know if you can see this. $8, $8, $8. Jesse, you see that? Yep. Section 433. Now, if I click in the outfield and Aaron Judge, right-handed batter, let's, let's go to left field and just click on this. 361 $963, $1,806 on the left side. You can see them now. Where the home runs would go on StubHub, or at least you would think they would go, the tickets are remarkably higher than the $8 it initially bought. <laughs> but those there. people want to get paid. Like, I think you buy that ticket with the chance that you catch the ball and then cash in. Of course you do, but yeah. you don't have to bribe the guy. You could, and like, would the experience of meeting Aaron Judge and getting whatever you got for that home run ball be worth the 963? By the way, those are Canadian prices. Mm. Now, would it be enough to start a dog pile like this? That's like free money, right? Yeah. And free experience. 
everyone knows what the ball is, and that's why they're paying this exorbitant amount of money. Imagine he hits it fifth. I know what you're. Yeah, that would be. Crazy. I would love to see him just hit like a monster somewhere that none of those people would be. Yeah, you're fish hooking at the bottom of that dog pile. I know oh, that's yeah, your specialty. That, yeah, no, that's not, your that, finishing move. That right there, what we just saw there, like that's a fumble in the NFL. Yes. People are twisting. Biting, yeah. They're biting. Yeah. They're pulling fish hooks off the side. There's eye gouging going on there. Like if my son, my 12-year-old son, was anywhere near this, I would just pull him out immediately because yeah. I know that there would be shots to the testicles in the middle yeah, of all that. Definitely. Uh, we'll see if he hits 61, 62. He could hit the record breaker in Toronto beginning on Monday. Ben Nicholson Smith. Uh, coming up a little bit later to talk more baseball. What NHL happens? training camp. Go ahead. What happens if he hits it on Apple TV? It's going to be Sorry insane. It's going to be, there's going to be, not a riot, but close, I would think. <laughs> in New York, a dog pile. Yeah. Yeah, like there'd be, be a dog yeah. pile. Yeah. Because yeah. for those wondering about like the Jays and the Apple TV thing, it's not just the Jays. Mm-hmm. Friday night's Yankee game is on Apple TV. Bench him. And he could break the record. <laughs> and not be seen by many of those Yankee fans that are as diehard as they come. What if they make a statement for their fans and just bench them? <laughs> NHL training camps Good. getting underway with physicals and testing today before players hit the ice across the league tomorrow, Timmy. Preseason games begin on Saturday, and the first regular season game goes two weeks from Friday. Only three Canadian teams qualified for the playoffs last season, but there is plenty of optimism across the country heading into the new year. We want to play meaningful games until the end of the year. We want to be in it at the trade deadline. If we have the year that we're capable of and the team plays uh, the way that it's capable of and and executes on it at the end, which is everything that we're building towards, my situation will get taken care of without issue. And I don't don't worry about it. I think I've been pretty clear. Um, I've I've loved my time here. I really love playing in, in the city of Toronto, I think. Um, you know, I consider it home now. I'm just focused on this season and, and what's to come in the future, obviously. Um, you know, when that time comes, we'll, we'll deal with it. Us not making the playoffs isn't good enough. And we can't just be satisfied with almost or we can't be satisfied with, you know, good try. We've got to go and do it now. I mean, there's no more excuses. I believe in this group. I believe uh, uh, that we're a good hockey team. And, and the Ever since I got here, they've been, uh, they've showed me no other reason to believe that. So, I mean, uh, I know it's a new season, but uh, I got to believe that we were capable of taking off where we've left off. Well, the summer, this idea of winning the summer is a load of crap, I think. I just, you, 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 you try to win in the winter. Um, the summer really is irrelevant. Lights <laughs> really yeah, very good. Uh, how many of the Canadian teams are better than they were last season? All right, let's see if we agree on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sens and Habs have to be better. Yeah. Give me two, if you agree with both. Yeah, uh, Habs. Habs, no. I think the important thing is that their core, their, their core players get better, but I don't think as a team they're going to be much better. Do you know what they finished with last year? Yeah. Like 55 bad. points. Yeah, I know. They're going to be bad again. They're going to be worse than 55 points? And they're going to trade everybody again at the deadline because they're going to be that bad. And they're just going to keep their core. And they're going to get better. But it's going to be a long time. It's going to be pain. There is going to be pain. There already Montreal. is pain. They had yeah. 55 points I know. last year. They're going to have another year of pain. It's, it's going to I, be I realize that, but 55 points? Yeah. Did they get that much better? 
No, not really. No. And everybody else did, or a lot of other Canadian teams okay. did. Okay, well, we'll see Atlantic, on the halves. So Atlantic's a tough division. One for two. Yeah. Canucks were 32-15 and 10 under Boudreaux, so they're better. Jets in turmoil, they have more talent than 89 points, but I think that's a toss-up based on how bonus goes. Like, yeah, I don't know what the answer is there. Uh, they might have the most to win or lose this year. Ah, hang on. Leafs and Oilers. <laughs> Leafs yeah, and Oilers. Both teams banking on new goaltending. I say the Oilers do a little bit better under Woodcroft. Full season. For a full season. And the Leafs are worse in the regular season. But that means nothing, right? Like, Dubas's job depends on what they do in the postseason. I can't believe it's going to be a whole other year of this. This is basically exactly what's happened for the last three years, is it not? It is. It, Without a doubt, it is. Yeah. And for, for good reason. Unless you get out of the first round. Of the <laughs> yeah, I mean, what are you going to do? What the hell are we talking yeah. about here? But yeah. 115 points is real. Yeah, very good. That. And that's what they had last year. 115 points. They still lost in the first round. They still lost pieces. Yeah. And you're still banking on two goalies that you don't know what right. you're going to get. But if they get hot at the right time, none of what happens in those 82 games will matter a shred. Yeah. If either one of those goalies finds something when it matters most, none of that means a shred. Mm -hmm. And the Leafs are the same thing. Mm -hmm. Which is regular Worse. season means nothing. And then the Flames down in the regular season. They won't finish with as many points but might be better when it counts most. They're going to be better in the regular season. I think there's a chance. They More balanced. 111 points. I know, but I, I think they're going to be really good. Okay, so do you want to bet the $500? And the flame, it's a high number. For, the, that's a high bar for and, the Flames. I understand halves, that. And it never. Still to come. We'll talk about it. Oh, I mean, it's just fun. <laughs> I, I enjoyed that little. Anthony night. Stewart will drop by. We'll discuss the outlook on these Canadian teams. We'll see if he agrees and or disagrees. The Canucks' Quinn Hughes joined us from last week's media day. We'll have that conversation. I thought I was breaking news on the uh, right side, whatever. Lasted a couple days and then everyone broke the story. Amy Otterbert on the start of the FIBA Women's World Cup. And after the break, we head to Philly. We'll check in with Ben Nicholson-Smith from the ballpark. Get you set for the Jays' early start today again. Blue Jays Central coming away 6 o'clock Eastern. 3 o'clock Pacific, it's Tim and Friends on a hump day. Belchin to deep left field and way gone. A three-run homer. Now Rymel Tapia lines one into left field for a base hit. And the Blue Jays are piling on right now. As the Blue Jays take the game by a score of 18 to 11. Here's the 3-1. I think I've been pretty clear. Um, I've, I've loved my time here. I've, I really love playing in, in the city of Toronto. I think, um, you know, I consider it home now. Jays and Phillies coming up on Sportsnet. Toronto looking to sweep the mini two-game series and note the start time once again, kids. I don't want to get you caught. Blue Jays Central gets going 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 Pacific. First pitch. Around 6.45 Eastern time, which means second hour Tim and Friends will be on Sportsnet 360 only. The Jays lineup looks like this today. 
George Springs. Let's do the uh, pitching matchup first. Kevin Gossman will start tonight. He's been shaky of late, giving up seven home runs in his last four starts. Zach Wheeler coming off the IL to pitch for the Phillies. We will be on, he will be on a pitch count. We will be watching his pitch count as he builds back up. It's expected that Noah Syndergaard will piggyback Zach Wheeler. So it'll be Wheeler Syndergaard for the Phillies. As mentioned, the lineup. George Springer leading off. He will play in center. Alejandro Kirk will catch for the first time in a week. Went three for five in his return to the lineup last night. Teoscar Hernandez will DH a night after picking up four hits, but admitting that he is kind of sort of fighting injury. Tapia in left. Espinal at second base. And the man pictured in your screen is Whit Merrifield who gets a start in right field. Here's manager John Schneider on giving Teoscar a night off from defense. I think everyone knows he, you know, documented the oblique early in the year, fouled a ball of his foot uh, a couple times. He was moving kind of slow for about a week. Um, and I think this time of year, everyone's kind of going through a little bit of something. Uh, guys that play every day didn't hinder his performance last night, obviously. So um, just trying to get him off his feet a little bit tonight, DH. All right, so Jays and Phillies, we go straight to Citizens Bank Park to talk with Ben Nicholson-Smith, he of the At The Letters podcast and sportsnet.ca joins us now. Live from Philly, what's up, Benny? Hey, Tim, things are good here. How's it going back in Toronto? Uh, not bad, not bad at all. And as I watched that clip with John Schneider talking about Teo and thinking about what this team has done in the month and what this team has done since John Schneider took over, I wonder... When do we have that interim label conversation when it comes to John Schneider? It's a great question. Yeah, I think John Schneider has definitely delivered in the ways that you would hope that he would. Uh, he's done a really good job tactically, in my opinion. I think the timing, I mean, it's certainly not now with a couple weeks left in the season. Um, and I, I think most likely that's something that Jays take a look at after their, their run ends, whenever that is. But to me, as, a, as someone looking from the outside in and trying to follow this as closely as I can, I certainly look at what John Schneider has done, and it's, it's impressive. He's, he's done really well. He's got close relationships with these players. I, I would think that if he's not the front runner for this job in, in a long-term basis, I'm not sure who would be uh, the way he's, he's done. But, of course, bigger tests await him as well as everyone in this organization. Do you think, and listen, my gut tells me as soon as they clinch, they're going to announce that they've taken the interim tag off of John Schneider. That's what, that's what the barrel of Tim McAuliffe, the old uh, La Banza of Tim McAuliffe, tells him right now. But you think they'll wait to see what he does in the postseason? I just think it would happen after the season is what my gut tells me. Yeah. I think even if they've decided internally they really like what he's doing, I'm not sure what you gain necessarily by making that announcement, say, on September the 30th. Feel good vibes. As opposed to on October Feel the good 15th. vibes. It, right. Yeah, some good <laughs> vibes for sure. I mean, if they clinch, they probably got some good vibes anyways. So right. I, I think they probably wait on that one, but right. we'll see. Uh, and, and to be fair here, when you trust your gut, there is less of La Banzola and more of, of whole grain goodness, mm. the slim trim. Ben Nicholson-Smith, please don't agree <laughs> with me, Jesse. All right. Let's talk about uh, Kevin Gossman, because obviously you're not going to weigh in on how much slimmer you are than I am. <laughs> uh, are, are the struggles of late a little concerning for you, Ben? To a small extent, yes. Uh, but bigger picture, honestly, no. I think that he's been so effective with the strikeouts and with limiting walks. Um, you look at the velocity, it's been there pretty consistently. The splitter, 
is such a good pitch, and maybe there are days that he commands it better than others where it's right at the bottom of the zone, then falling out and below the reach of hitters. Obviously, that's the best-case scenario, and the Jays are hoping for that today. But, you know, to me, Kevin Gosman is a number one, number two pitcher, top of the rotation, no doubt, living up to the $110 million contract, someone you want out there in a game where your season's on the line, even with some of the BABIP luck that he's encountered, some of the home runs that he's allowed. Uh, obviously, he was never going to keep up the kind of streak that he had early in the season where he wasn't allowing any home runs or any walks. So I, I look at him still basically in the same way I have for most of this year. I mm. think he's someone that you want out there with your season on the line, even if the ERA has been a little higher in the last couple of months. It's funny because you were in studio when we came up with a stat that we just showed about the seven home runs in his first 24 starts and then seven home runs in his last seven starts. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest here. I'm kind of surprised you're saying that. Yeah, I mean, which is, you know, I, I just think that if you're looking at concerns on this team, yep. I'm not sure how much time I'm spending if I'm the Jays looking at Kevin Gossman. I think it's real. I mean, certainly, uh, as we were talking about with Jamie and Joe last week, you know, you look at, at the, the change, and it's real. It's a real change. There's right. no doubt that the performance hasn't been quite as encouraging. But I'm more wondering about Lourdes Gurriel Jr. or Alejandro Kirk or, you know, how do the Jays uh, configure their bullpen in a series against the Mariners, the Rays, the Guardians, whatever the case. Right. And Gosman, to me, is not someone that I'm really spending a lot of time wondering about. Right. You're still slotting him in number two. And then I guess the conversation about number three uh, goes down to Stripling and Barrios. Did that change a little bit based on last night's performance from Ross Stripling? It's, it's interesting. I, I don't think the Jays are necessarily changing anything off of one performance. I, I do think, as I've, as I've kind of continued talking about this with people in the last week or so, and tried to just reframe, okay, how do you approach a potential Game 3 if that's what it comes down to, I've kind of come around to the opinion that it's both of them and that it's more of a bullpen game and that neither one of those guys is necessarily going to be going five, six, seven innings in a must-win game, unless the Jays are winning 8-1, in which case, sure, you can let Barrios go six uh, innings and then go from there. No problem with that, which is a great case. But I think if it's a close game, they would do something akin to what we saw in 2020, where they use Matt Shoemaker, they use Robbie Ray to try to get through uh, that game against the Rays, which, of course, they lost. But I think that's the approach they would take again. I really think it would be all hands on deck, including both of those guys. All right, uh, besides Teoscar and, and what we heard from John Schneider about his nagging injuries, any updates on Lourdes Gurriel Jr. or the walking wounded for the Jays? Well, thankfully, Alejandro Kirk is back. Three hits yesterday. That's a great sign for them because, honestly, you know, in the last few days, that's been a pretty big question for this team. I thought when Kirk did not catch Alec Manoa on Sunday against the Orioles, you start thinking, okay, this is like maybe you know a, a bit of a serious issue with the hip but he got back in there of course with the three hits yesterday and he got he's going to be behind the plate uh in an hour or so so that's uh, another test for him and also by the way i do think it's a good thing for danny jansen to have some familiarity with manoa because even if kirk is the one who's likely to be catching manoa in a start what if Manoa's pitching in relief in a must-win game in the playoffs three weeks from now right. and Danny Jansen's back there? It's a good thing to have that, uh, that rep under the belt. But, you know, as for Lourdes, I think he's a bit further off, so I'm not expecting that he'd rejoin the team on this road trip. What do you do with Whit Merrifield here? Great question, right? And I think regular season 
uh, is easier to answer than postseason because a night like tonight, get him in right field, first start in right as a J, that's perfect. Teo's off his feet. You're able to mix things up that way. As for playoffs, I'm not exactly sure what the role is. And maybe I'm missing something or maybe things change in the next two weeks because there's still time. But, uh, you know, he's, he's obviously underwhelmed this season, both with the Royals and with the Jays. And so I'm not clear on what that role for him is. I'm no analytic uh, genius over here, but I believe that one game is a small sample size. However, the Phillies have lost five in a row. Their defense looked awful last night. And I saw John Gibbons on Twitter saying, good thing they don't play in the AL East. And he wasn't the only one. There was a lot of NL East versus AL East conversation last night. Where do you fall in this equation? Like, are we making too much of it based on these mini two-game series? Or is there something to be said here? Probably both. I, I think that the top two teams in the NL East, Atlanta and the Mets, those teams are really good. And the Phillies are good too. I mean, they've definitely uh, underwhelmed last night. And when they faced the Jays, their defense, not the strength of this team, as we saw up close uh, last night, basically from start to finish. But they're a really good slugging team with Wheeler and Nola. I mean, that's a, to be the third best team in the division, that's, that's pretty good. I think it's more when you get to the bottom two. The bottom two in the NL East, man, that is a difference between, you know, the Marlins, who basically don't hit at all, and the Nationals, who are bad even Fantastic. with Juan Soto. You know, that's a big difference between the Orioles and the Red Sox when you look at the American League East. And, you know, we all know that those teams are not perfect, but they're both respectable. I mean, borderline 500 teams. So I, I do think that the American League East is the strongest division in baseball. The Jays are the second best team in that division. That says a lot about how good the Jays are, despite their flaws. Um, but the Phillies are good. I, I think they're a deserving playoff team but definitely a flawed playoff team <laughs> without a doubt all right before I let you go uh, as as a child that was alive uh, coherent and paying attention in 1987 watching the Toronto Blue Jays uh, fumble their way to handing the ALE's crown to the Detroit Tigers I'm always worried in spots like this magic number down to eight fan graphs is saying like 99.9 percent my Am I allowed to breathe right now or should I ease up on the fan graph playoff odds because I know that the New York football Jets were 99% uh, dead in their game versus the Cleveland Browns. I think you can breathe. I think okay. they're making it uh, no guarantees. There's nothing to no no champagne bottles popping just yet, uh, but you can breathe. Uh, you know, they're they're definitely going to be in tough to win the American League East. That also looks unlikely. But I think they're making it. I think that certainly based on, uh, you know, any conversation you have with people, just even away from the Blue Jays, you look at this team, it's a really good team. They're going to win enough games in the course of the next stretch to clinch a berth. Mm -hmm. And then it's really, you know, you're into the wild card. And I can't give you any reassurances there because no. three-game series, anything could happen. But I think they get to that three-game series. Uh, we are less than a month away. In fact, October 7th, day one of the new wild card format, which just also happens to be my brother Mark's birthday and Thanksgiving weekend. That should be fun. Ben Nicholson-Smith, always appreciate you doing this. Enjoy the game tonight in Philadelphia. Will do. Thanks, Tim. All right, there is Ben Nicholson-Smith on a slight delay, which we apologize for. We'll keep the baseball talk going. I mean, I gave him what I thought was going to be like a little chuckle yeah. line blame about it on his the boiler. Yeah, blame it on just, the delay. I, I am blaming it on yeah, the delay. Yeah. There's no other way that he could sit stone face after a line yeah. about how slim he is. Yeah. Comedic. <laughs> <laughs>
don't know. All right, Jay's Phillies, more talk. We'll hear from Dan and Pat. Max, Tim, and friends. Getting you set for baseball. Tim and Friends continues to get you set for the Jays and Phillies with a little afternoon delight, which had some playoff ramifications in the National League. Mets uh, game up on the Braves in the NL East. The Brewers two and a half back of the Phillies for the final wild card in the National League. So let's start with the Mets and Brewers. And we begin in the bottom of the sixth inning. Willie Adamas entered batting 441 in his last nine games. How about Dinger number 31 on the season? One nothing Milwaukee. Next inning, Adamas up, two on, two out. Mets intentionally walk him to load the bases, so Rowdy Tella is scheduled to hit. Craig Council sends out Mike Brousseau. This is old school National League baseball. Brousseau, eight for 14, is a pinch hitter this season. Buck Showalter goes to the bullpen. He says, Bring me righty Drew Smith. Who wins this strategic battle, my friends? Well, Rosso left field, back McNeil, warning track, lost, it's Off the bench on 0-2, Mike Rosso. I think it was Craig Council who won it. First career grand slam for Brasso, breaks it open, 6 nothing. top nine history. Luis Guillorme hit by a pitch the 106th time that a Met has been hit by a pitch in the season. Wow. That is a new MLB record. Joe Walter wants them to keep the milestone ball, even though the Mets lose 6-0 cutter uncut. Mm, wearing one he's proud of. That's uncut. All right. Bottom two, Atlanta up 1-0, Nationals and Braves. Ronald Acuna Jr. goes to the gap, run scores. But check out Acuna Jr. Slips, falls as he rounds first base. And sounds. <laughs> Man down! Yeah. Bottom five, Acuna Jr. this time. Shallow fly ball, Victor Robles charging in. And guess what? He doesn't have to run anywhere. Diving grab, and then he'll get Von Grissom oh, at first no. base. Double play. Top seven we go. Washington down 2-1. Joey Manessis. That's a two-run bomb into the second deck to give the Nats a 3-2. Will both teams atop the NL East lose? Well, how about this? Bottom of the eight, two on, tying run at second. Michael Harris, junior base hit. Austin Riley, rounding third, hits the brakes, turns back. William Contreras then caught in a rundown between second. Oh, that is not September into October baseball. And because of it, Braves lose 3-2. The final. So here's an updated look at the National League playoff pitcher. Mets stay that game up on the Braves in the East with both losing. Imagine that mistake cost them the National League East. Yikes. Brewers pull within two games of the Phillies for the wild card spot or the final wild card spot in the National League as the Phillies face the Jays, of course, tonight right here on Sportsnet. In fact, Blue Jays Central coming your way. Jesse in less than 10 minutes time. I was with you when you asked Ben Nicholson Smith uh, whether he's concerned about Kevin Gossman and the mm -hmm. home runs he's been giving up lately. Yep. And he said, no, no, no not at all. And, and going into tonight too, I think something that is worth mentioning, Kyle Schwarber, obviously second in the majors in home runs, 40. He's had five at-bats against Kevin Gossman in his career, three home runs. Oh, wow. 
and is one it, strikeout. Is it not amazing that the second place finisher right now in the home run race is 20 home runs it's back? absurd. Of Aaron Judge. Uh, not absurd. The men calling the game. Dan Schulman, Pat Tabler. They will have the call. We check in with them now in the booth in Philadelphia. Gentlemen, take it away. Jim, only the 28-run outburst at Fenway Park back in July kept last night's game from being the biggest game for the Blue Jays all season. It was a barrage of hits from start to finish. Yeah, and it looks like the offense is really starting to round into form as the Blue Jays are trying to get into the playoffs. It started with Matt Chapman's long home run in the first inning, the three-run home run, got the Blue Jays off to a great start. This is a deep lineup with hitters that seem to be coming into their own. George Springer had another multi-hit game yesterday. He's in the leadoff spot throws some thunder up there and so does Alejandro Kirk back in the lineup in that cleanup spot with a couple of RBIs and it gets longer as you go deeper down into the lineup. Danny Jansen had a really big game himself doubling off the wall against the Phillies and then Rymel Tapia he chipped in with a couple of extra base hits. He also had three RBIs. He's really not an everyday player but he has come up with some big hits for the Blue Jays this season and then Teoscar Hernandez part of a four hit night with a base hit to right field. So this offense now leads the American League in batting average on base percentage slugging second in run score and they're getting hot at the right time as the regular season winds down. They've got a tough customer to deal with tonight. Zach Wheeler will get the start. Noah Syndergaard will follow him. Should be another interesting night for the Blue Jays offense. Back to you. Thank you very much, Dan, Pat. And I want to believe Pat when he says they're getting hot at the right time. Do you believe in that? I mean, obviously, 14-5 in the month of September. Mm-hmm. Uh, since the All-Star break, I think the number is 34-21. and 21. That's second best in the American League behind only the Houston Astros. Do you believe this momentum built in this September run, this post-All-Star break run, We'll have the Jays in the right spot once the playoffs. There's ends. no question about it. No question. No about question. It. I'm a big, big proponent of getting hot at the right time, peaking at the right time. And this isn't something that's reserved for baseball either. I think you see this in, in many other sports. Hockey is one in particular, too. We've had teams that are seated very low make runs to the Stanley Cup final. And in baseball, you had the stat yesterday about the best team in baseball not always winning because they're not playing the best right. at the right time. Yeah, but I always feel like momentum is also a starting pitcher. If you face the wrong pitcher at the wrong time, like I know that there are Jays fans that are petrified of heading to the little shop of horrors in Tampa. Although we did get some word today that there might be some trouble yeah. in paradise. So this might sway those fans just a little bit, those who are a bit weary of the Jays going to Tampa. A multiple sources confirming to Zach Blobner, a radio voice for the Rays, that there was a physical altercation between Rays players Randy Arozarena and Yandy Diaz after Monday night's game in the parking lot. I don't, I don't know if you've seen Yandy Diaz's arms, but I don't know what Arozarena is thinking when it comes to that. But well, uh, the two had to be separated after a disagreement and uh, neither played Tuesday night against well, the Arozarena only knows one speed. That is like full, full steam ahead. ahead. <laughs> yeah. There is absolutely nothing in yeah. between. Uh, the producer of this show, Thomas Dobby, brought this up to me and said, oh, this is... Be- as the youngest of four boys, and I know that Dobby grew up in a family of boys as well, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I see nothing wrong with teammates every once in a while getting into it. If it lingers, you've got problems. But when I read that, I don't even flinch because I've been hit in the face several times by my brothers, and I love them dearly. But imagine it was Vladdy and Bo. I don't know if your opinion would be different, but Twitter would be losing it right now. Without a doubt. Losing it. Without a doubt. I just don't know that I would agree. Fair enough.
taking a few punches in my time. All right, let's send it to Blues Age Central on Sportsnet. Jamie and Joe standing by ahead of the Jays and Phils. Of course, we will continue with our number two on Sportsnet 360. Canucks fans, Quinn Hughes will join us. Anthony Stewart will be talking hockey, and we'll talk basketball with Amy Otterberg. Back in two minutes on 360. Enjoy the Jays and the Phils. Rusty. For real sports talk with Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. Thank you very much, Sheepdogs, back here. Hour number two, we get settled, cozy on in on 360. Coming up, Amy Otterberg on the FIBA Women's World Cup getting underway on Sportsnet tonight. The Canucks, Quinn Hughes from NHL Media Day and Anthony Stewart as NHL training camps open across the league as we count down to the start of the NHL season. All the Canadian teams except for the Habs and Jets speaking with the media today. We begin with high pressure in Leafs land as they enter the season after six straight opening round exits. Kyle Dubas entering the final year of his contract and is clearly on the hot seat while Austin Matthews has two years left in his deal. So both Dubas and Matthews were grilled earlier today. We're an organization that preaches accountability, and in my position, I don't view myself as any different. In fact, I believe I have to be held the most accountable. Uh, with that said, I fully expect to be judged on the full body of my work over the five-year term of my contract, and I have zero issue with being evaluated over the uh, entire body uh, of work here. We're extremely excited. It's another chance for us to change the story, and um, I know that uh, nobody wants to hear what we have to say. They want to see what we do uh, in action. And I know that uh, a lot of people will want to say that that is going to have to come in the playoffs, uh, which obviously we agree. We, we need to be better. We need to win come that time. We're capable of doing so. I'd like to be clear like about the contract stuff. Um, you know, I'm going to touch on it today, and, and I think that's it. Um, you know, I understand why I'm being asked. but. At the same time, um, you know, I'm focused on this season. I'm focused on obviously, um, you know, winning and continuing to improve and help push this team over the edge. So, um, you know, as far as that goes, um, you know, I'm just focused on this season and, and what's to come in the future. Obviously, um, you know, when that time comes, we'll, we'll deal with it. But uh, I think I've been pretty clear. Um, I've, I've loved my time here. I've I really love playing in, in the city of Toronto. I think. Um, you know, I consider it home now. Imagine having to answer questions two years out on your contract. I see where he's coming. That's where we are. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. In Ottawa, the Sens offseason, huge success, apparently. Bringing in Alex Debrinkat, Claude Giroux, Cam Talbot, wrapping up some young stars to long-term deals. Buzz in the nation's capital, pretty big. And the team has been together early, getting ready for the new season. It's clear to me that, you know, they're, they're sick of losing night after night, and they're sick of being at the bottom. Um, in saying that, you know, uh, they've come early, they've come together to do all these things, but so is a lot of teams, and winning teams are, are, are all doing that. Um, so I think we're at that level. There's lots of teams just like us now um, that have just as much talent, some more, some less, that are all doing this. 
And I just think we're at that age now where these guys, you know, want to make play meaningful games. And that tells me for sure that they're, they're at that level. Now it's up to us to prove it. We want to play meaningful games until the end of the year. We want to be in it at the trade deadline. I love meaningful games. In Edmonton, Oilers fans are hopeful for a deep playoff run. Jack Campbell's signing should answer the goaltending questions. Connor McDavid somehow continues to get better. Evander Kane re-signed five years, just over $5 million per season. He discussed the deal earlier today and may be getting less than he'd expected. The cap is a shitty thing for uh, an NHL player, especially a good one. But... Um... No, it's, uh, like I said, this is a great opportunity. Um, you know, it's, it's, part of it is also the right fit. And I think, you know, with this group, this organization, uh, you know, from the top down with Kenny and, 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 and Jay and, and Connor and Dry and those guys, um, you know, it's, uh, it was hard to pass up. And, and having an opportunity to truly compete for a Stanley Cup and, and, and hopefully hoist one here, um, on a Canadian team, uh, you know, those are things that, you know, as a kid, you always wanted to do. And um, I had that opportunity uh, this off season to, to uh, hopefully start that. And, uh, you know, I wanted to be a part of it. Kind of confirmation that money wasn't out there, right? Mm-hmm. A wild off season in Calgary, good joke. Chuck out, Huberdeau, we've all heard it. Uger, Kadri, in to name a few. Flames GM Brad Trivling was asked about his busy and successful offseason, all things considered, and had this to say. Well, the summer, this idea of winning the summer is a load of crap, I think. I just, you, 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 you try to win in the winter. Um, the summer really is irrelevant. <laughs> um, so we like our team coming in. Um, last year's last year, it's in the rearview mirror. We got a lot of questions to answer. In Vancouver, the Canucks signed JT. I love your living, by the way. That answer is great. Uh, Canucks signed JT Miller long-term. Brought in Ilya Mikheyev. Big question. Bo Horvat's contract and the long-term future. The captain will be an unrestricted free agent after this season. He says that isn't worrying. He's not worrying as the season approaches. What's your mindset? Can you put that aside? Are you involved? Yeah. No, I've put it completely aside. I mean, you know, for me, right now, it's just focusing on how I'm going to make this team better and winning, honestly. Uh, I'm going to say the same thing over again if there's any more questions about it. But, I mean, I, honestly, I, you, know, it's, it, you know, it's eventually things are, are going to come to fruition. And for me, it's just being the best leader, the best captain, you know, the, you know going to try to be you know, that 200-foot guy that you can rely on every single night. And um, I'm going to do it for my teammates and you know, for the organization, for the city. I'm a Vancouver Canuck, and, and um, you know, I can't wait for to get this year started. Almost coast to coast to coast here in Canada. Now, I would begin uh, the conversation with my next guest by saying, how was the offseason? But I know he really doesn't have one. Uh, NHL on Sportsnet Analyst, Hockey Night in Canada, chairman of Hockey Equality, mm-hmm. co-owner of the Toronto Six, uh, unofficial mayor of Scarborough, and the man who stole the lettuce from Johnny's Burgers, it's Anthony Burgers. Stewart. What's going on, Stewie? Yes, sir. Everyone doing? How was, how was the summer for you? I saw you not too long ago, but it's always great uh, seeing my good friend, Tim. Uh, yeah, it was nice. We, we popped by... Uh, what was a pretty nice facility that you got going over in the, I guess we'd call it the northwest side of the city? 
Yes, uh, Downsview Park uh, partnered with uh, Matt Nickel in building a world-class facility. And uh, again, we're doing whatever we can to sort of provide opportunities for the kids that uh, I didn't have when I was younger, but it's great to have an ally in Matt Nickel and, and former NHL or Colorado Avalanche, Wojtek Wolski. So it's great, uh, it's great to do something for the next generation of kids. Uh, for those who don't know, you can look it up on the... Uh... On the old uh, Twitter, you can look it up on the old Instagram, Hockey Equality, uh, doing great things for people who might not be able to afford the game, might not be included in the game otherwise. Uh, love seeing it, love hearing it, and love talking about it. We just rifled through Canada, Stewie. I'm going to ask you a question that I asked you last year. Who's the best team in Canada? <laughs> I knew you were going to ask me that, but... <laughs> Let's let's frame it like this. You know, what team was facing, you know, almost certain disaster and made the most moves possible to sort of keep their window opening? And I think right now it's the Calgary Flames. You know, they lost Kachuk and they lost Goudreau, which could cripple an organization, but they go out there and make the big, big trade and uh, get Huberdeau, Uyghur, and Kadri. Say what you want about Kadri. I think he got a, a discounted rate to go into Calgary right now. Yeah. It's got to be the Calgary Flames right now. Toronto, um, again, I, I know Leafs fans aren't going to want to hear this. I think they stagnated a little bit in the offseason right now. So I would have them a close second. But for me, it has to be the Calgary Flames. We, we heard Kyle Dubas speaking. And I know that there are Leaf fans kind of rolling their eyes at him. But he's just judged on what they do in the postseason. Like, this is as clear. I mean... If they stumble and they fall by the trade deadline and they're in a position where they're selling, he's probably gone. But I think what you saw today was a man who understands that he will be judged by what happens in the postseason this year. And I think that the Leafs have kind of resigned themselves to that, no? Yeah, and, and again, we, you don't want to advocate for anybody losing their jobs. Mm. But keep in mind, this is a business. And I go back to my days with the Florida Panthers where there was zero zero expectations but i went through two coaches three gms at the time right now but you know it just seemed like a different tone this year with the press conferences where um you know last year there was all about accountability but it just seemed almost like a a rock band that trashed their hotel the night before and they're just like oh whoopsies uh time to rock let's party on garth and we'll we'll, we'll see you we're back <laughs> so uh, again, it's, it's a very, very talented team. We know they're top heavy. Uh, I have some question marks in goaltending, but again, that's what analytics are for. They think that Georgia, sorry, that uh, Samsonov and Murray can come in and do the job. Uh, the bottom six, it just seems like it's been a rotating uh, door now for some of these guys since Kapanen left. You know, can these bottom six guys come in and do the job? I, I think time has shown that it's not the case right now. Again, I'm still an advocate for guys like Clifford and Simmons that can add that element right now. But again, this team is going to live and die with their big four and their top D. And that's and that's sort of what they've doubled down on. So as you say before, we're going to have to see how it goes. But again, I'm not denying the talent in, in Austin Matthews and Marner. They are two of the top 10 players in the National Hockey League. But is that going to be enough? You're looking at the teams like the Tampas and Floridas and the Colorados. They have some top-end goaltending. They have a bona fide number one defenseman, 1A defenseman, and that's the key for success. So they have uh, uh, some elements, but not all the elements. But again, they're going to have to double down and see what these top guys can do for them. It's funny, we, Jesse and I were talking about this, and the, the Leafs could finish, you know, uh, five, ten points behind their total of last year of 115. But if they win that first round, if they get through that first round, no one will give a bleep about what happened in the regular season. Uh, you mentioned the value in Calgary with Nazem Kadri, some value in Edmonton with Evander Kane. Do you think they can improve upon where they were last year in their first full season under Jay Woodcroft? 
Yeah, I, I think so. And I've been, uh, you know, reiterating every sports where he's saying, you know, we, they don't need to train Puliarvi Again, they get another year of him where he can come in and step up. Yamamoto was another year older. Hyman now is still getting better. But remember, they do have Connor McDavid, the best player in the National Hockey League, and they have Dreisaitl, and they have some really, really top-end guys. I talked about Evander Kane before on the broadcast and saying he's probably one of the best transition defense to offense players uh, in the league where he just has that tremendous speed, and we obviously know that he can put the puck in the net. So seeing him on a full season now, I would not be surprised to see him uh, score 40 goals. And Jack Campbell, say what you want. He was one of the top guys in the National Hockey League before the All-Star break as well. Uh, So I think Edmonton improved. And I think that's the key now when you're talking about, uh, you know, competitive teams and contending teams. A lot of these teams, especially in that Atlantic division, obviously in the Pacific as well, they improve. So as much as you want to improve your team, some of these other teams have gotten much, much better, where some teams I think have stagnated a little bit as well. I love the story of Jack Campbell. I love the dude, or at least what I see of the dude in Jack Campbell, but I don't know what he is. Like, is he the guy that looked like Vesna Trophy before the turn of the calendar year, or the guy after 2022 that turned into I don't want to say it was a pumpkin but it wasn't near as good as it was in the early part of the season. Do you know what the Edmonton Oilers will get out of Jack Campbell? Well I don't not too sure but I, I know what they need. They need solid and not spectacular right. and uh, you know, Ken Reed and I are coaching, uh, I'm coaching 2013s, which is Ken Reed's son's age. So these kids are minor Adam. Right. And the pucks are going in over some of these goaltenders' heads. And that's what happened last year with Koskinen, where how is this guy this big? So he was just not, uh, he was below average with just his performance for most of the year and weathering the storm while uh, Mike Smith was out. So I think right now with uh, Jack Campbell coming in, do they need him playing 930, 940 hockey? No, I think if he just gives you a solid effort last, uh, like he did last year every single night, that's going to give them the opportunity because they do have the high octane offense. They have some studs on the back end and Bouchard and, and nurse. I did mention Bouchard uh, for those Western Canadian fans. He is going to be a stud. I've seen him train in the off season. So I think Edmonton now they're going to be contending at the top of that division for sure uh, with the Calgary Flames. All right, before I let you go, I mentioned the Toronto six of the PHF and uh, I know there were no PHF players on Canada or the United States squads at the world's, but I did see that Brianna Decker signed on for a new role with the league, and I know you have a vested interest, but when do we get to the point, Stewie, where we get one league united and working towards the same goal, which is the growth of the women's game? Well, I think that's overall the goal eventually, right? But again, I know hockey and I know Toronto hockey. And just seeing uh, the, the the faces of some of the young girls in this game, uh, in this city, when they see the professional athletes, Soroya Tinker is a star in women's hockey, regardless of being on the Olympic team. So just seeing some of these players in this city of Toronto, I thought it for me, it was a no-brainer to be involved. And now you're working with the legend in Angela James, where you get to work with her on a daily basis. So yeah, long-term, you want to see one league but you know for the phf right now it's business as usual and again i'm getting to learn the politics and it's very very intricate but i'm excited to come to the rink uh, and talk about hockey uh, and women's hockey as well too because women's hockey is not the future uh it's the future of hockey not just women's hockey but hockey Hockey, in general so i'm very very excited to be a part of the phf and the toronto six we'll get you a hoodie i'll get you a hoodie 
I'll wear it in studio. Uh, we'll put it up here wherever you want. Well, we got you covered. By the way, um, one question that I had for you when I ran into you uh, at Scotch Pond uh, earlier today while my son was skating on the other ice and you had NHLers uh, right beside them, which is amazing, by the way, to have like 12-year-old kids out on the ice with NHLers beside them. Besides the point, do you ever get tired, homie? <laughs> sleep is for the wicked but again I, I i tell everybody i took advantage of sometimes of, of my position being in the national hockey league where i don't think i worked as hard to stay there as i got there so right. i'm making the most of the second opportunity but the one thing i can say being involved at the grassroots level i fell in love with the game i didn't really uh, end my career the way i wanted to and i was a little bit bitter but being around these kids and uh, the women's hockey it just revigorated my life and uh, my love for the game of hockey because game of hockey He's been very, very great for me and uh, my family. So anything I can do to give back, like I said, that gives you the energy to be at the rink every single day. Yeah, it's funny. when I, So my dad coached my brothers. They were all AAA players. I was garbage. But I was in the <laughs> rink like non I never left the rink in the winter. And when I got to be like 17, 18, I ran as far away as I could from the game of hockey. And my son at seven said, ah, I'd like to play hockey. So I brought him back. And just the smell of that rink again kind of brought back that I think we need more people to get in there and get the smell of that rink and understand what it is at 7 in the morning that inspires so many kids to get out there. And I know you're doing that, so I appreciate you, homie. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. And Jesse, great job host, co-hosting the show. Whoa. Hey, hey right there. Put you on board here. Let's go here. You're one, you're one of the best. One of the best. What can I say? <laughs> Without Class a doubt. Class act. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. Gotta get you a pen though. I didn't see that pen though. I'm gonna reprimand you on that. Yeah, one. no, it, no, it's it's some it's in my bag somewhere. Rifle <laughs> through. Yeah. Non-stop. Thanks, Stewie. I want excuses. Not you don't say thanks to Stewie. You know when you don't have the pen and you're trying to get rid of them and <laughs> Stewie. Good job as always, bud. Thank you. Uh, there is uh, Anthony Stewart right here. On Tim and Fred. It is annoying. Uh, I am bad with the pens. We'll take a break. When we Whoa. come back, my conversation with Former Quinn goalie. Hughes from Media Day. Nice we'll discuss throw. the Boudreaux bump and a look ahead of the season in Vancouver. We'll do that all next in Tim and Friends. Jesse's got the pen now. That was a can of like, corn. Very just nice. like five seconds later. In the Hold on. Wait a second. I think this is. Did you steal this from me? Yeah. NHL camps opening across Canada today, including the Canucks, who are hoping the energy gain from the Bruce Boudreaux bump continues. Quinn Hughes had a breakout, maybe bounce back season, and we caught up with him to talk about it all last week at the NHL Media Day in Las Vegas. He's special. He, he really is. Game after game after game, he's the guy. The creativity, the IQ, he has it all. I love watching this guy play. He's one of my favorite defensemen in the game. Rebound Hughes, back into he scores. 51 seconds into overtime. This guy just keeps getting better and better and better. A star player in the making. Quinn Hughes comes up front, but goes and scores. What a patient play by Quinn Hughes. Look at that. So poised, so calm, so cool. It's just about every game he does something that makes you do a double take. Superstar defenseman Quinn Hughes putting his stamp on the Canucks record books already. And he's even put it on an understated show night after night. He's just going to be one of those great, great all-around defensemen for the Vancouver Canucks for a long time. 
My next guest from the NHL Media Day is a member of one of the NHL's first families and just so happens to have set the Canucks record for points by a defenseman. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Quinn Hughes. And Quinn, I know this day can be exhausting. Are we at least close to the start of your day? Yeah, I mean, it's still early. It's not, uh, it's not too bad yet. All right. Uh, let us know if it gets too bad, and we'll let you go as quickly as possible. I mentioned the first family of hockey. Quinn, of course, Jack, now Luke. Pops played. Uh, Mom wasn't just an athlete. She was a crazy athlete. I know Brady Kachuk is walking around media day today as well. You guys have a bit of a pass, too, through the U.S. developmental program. Do you guys quietly fight for the title of the first family of hockey, or does that matter when the Sutters exist? No, I, I think you hit it right there. There's been a, a bunch of different families with the Stalls and Sutters, and um, obviously, like we're very humbled, you know, to have you know Jack playing and hopefully Luke in the next little while. And um, it's pretty cool in the Tachaks, like you said, Brady and Matthew. They got a little good good thing going now. They're going to see each other four times a year in the Atlantic <laughs> together. But um, yeah, feel bad for those guys. But uh, yeah, uh, me and Jack, like. Um, we're, we're humbled to, you know, be, both be playing in the NHL, and like I said, hopefully Luke can get in, but there's definitely been a bunch of other families as well. Yeah, those two battle, and they're going to play in the same division. That'll be fun to watch. Uh, oh, I, I feel bad for Keith and Chantel. They're going to be <laughs> – I wonder if we see a Tuchuk fight this year. <laughs> I, I Listen, I grew up in, in a house of four boys, and all I got out of it – Honest to God, was how to take a punch. I was the youngest of four boys. Yeah. All I got out of it was how to take a punch. So I think those two may have gone toe-to-toe -to -toe a few times in the past, and you might have had a For front sure. row view of it. Um, do you, Speaking of brothers, do you ever see like a little bit of your game in either of your brothers? Yeah, that's a good question. Definitely in Luke. I mean, um, watching Luke at World Juniors, he's, uh, he's a pretty special player. He's going to be really good. And um, he's so explosive off the offensive blue line, and he can play left or right. And he's got a lot of hockey sense. Honestly, I think he's kind of a spitting image of me, except he's longer and um, probably a better skater, too, because he he's uh, got a long reach and he's mm. bigger. And um, he's going to be a really good player. It'll be fun to watch. I'm excited for you know, everyone to see him. That's some point. A, that's a pretty high compliment. Uh, a lot of the Canadians did see him in the World Junior Tournament, of course, and playing at Michigan. Uh, you get a few eyes, too. We, we had Jack on from last year's uh, Media Day, and it was a great convo. I mean, he, to me, he sounds like a fun kid to be around. But besides him calling me Sid at the end and breaking my heart a little bit, uh, he, he kind of <laughs> went viral for sticking up for you and your game and your dash. And uh, I know that you saw it a little bit. My, my point was... Um, that you made him look good going from the dash 24 to a plus 10. And I know that stat is team-based, but is that something you worked on improving or just a product of the overall team? Yeah, he's, he's funny. He's, he's a good guy. And, um, but, yeah, regarding his statement, I mean, I was really upset with how my second year went defensively and how the team did. Um, that was really tough on me because, you know, my first year, everything was like rainbows. And, right. you know, the year was, was going really well. We went to the playoffs, uh, game seven, second round. And then the second year, we hit, hit some adversity. And um, it was tough. I mean, we, I had to play McDavid ten times and Amats ten times. That ain't easy. <laughs> um, and then that's a couple dashes there for sure. But, yeah, my, my third year, I kind of just worked on, you know, being a little bit more defensive-minded. And, of course, I had... Demko, who had an unreal year, and he helped out. And Luke Shen as a D partner was stabilizing. But, um, 
yeah, I'll see if we can do it again this year. Nice. So you, you mentioned that first year, and obviously you get a taste of the playoffs, and, and we're pretty damn good yourself in that first year. Does it feel like you guys are getting close to getting back to that spot? Yeah, I mean, I, it was, last year was hard because we, uh, we started off so poorly, and then when Bruce came in, we won like nine in a row, and we kind of were rolling. I don't know exactly what our record was, but I think it was like 31, 10, and 12 with Bruce. And um, we, had a, we were kind of rolling there for a bit, and we missed the playoffs by three points, I think, what it was. And um, so this year we added some guys, and I think our younger guys, are, including myself, are getting a bit older and are ready to take another step. And uh, uh, I know in Vancouver we're really excited, and I think that you know, we can you know, make a push to the playoffs and hopefully do well in it. But um, starts in Edmonton. Only because the uh, the board came up while you were talking. I know it's 32, 15, and 10 under Bruce Boudreau. It's still pretty damn good. Uh, and obviously we saw yeah. kind of the push that you guys. What was the difference having Bruce Boudreau in the room? Yeah, I mean, nothing to take away from Greener and Bomber and that whole staff. I'm, I mean, I love those guys, and they brought me in the league and helped me a lot. But as far as Bruce, I mean, he was just such a calming um, you know, personality. He came in, he kind of brought the fun and joy back to it. And uh, when you're losing, especially in a Canadian market, it's not easy. And I think a lot of guys are feeling the heat. And um, I know, like, when Bruce came back, I think Brock had, like, six goals in seven games. And PD yeah. started to find his game. And um, for me, I think I was just, you know, I, my game continued to grow. And uh, another thing is, like, me and PD, we missed training camp. And it was kind of, um, we were going into the year, like, I think we had four days in Vancouver. And... Um, I think we just found our footing later in the year, and uh, for Bruce, he's just—he's a great guy, and he's a really smart coach, and he knows how to win, and he, he can get the best out of us. And uh, I'm excited to have a full year, full year with him. How big was it getting JT Miller locked down? Yeah, Mills—he's—he's like—he's so competitive, and he's a great player, and he obviously led our team last year, and um, he wanted to be in Vancouver, and I'm happy we uh, we signed him, and. Um, his best days are in front of him. I still truly believe that, and I know he's hungry and he wants to make the playoffs and um, contend. So uh, that was huge for us. Even the average hockey fan knows the term "right shot defenseman" because they're so valuable. I've heard some talk that uh, you might play some of the right side this year. Is, is there any truth to that? Uh, I think there is. I mean, we'll see what happens. I haven't even I haven't talked to Bruce yet. I haven't seen him yet, but. Um, yeah, I mean, what I do know is I got a really good option on the left side with, with uh, Luke Shen playing the right. We were really good last year together, and I, and I really enjoyed that. And he, uh, he stabilized me in a lot of ways. And, I, you know, that's a really good option for me this year. But I was working on the right side this summer. Um, I do think there's a lot of options on the offensive uh, side where I can, you know, take advantage of some things a little bit more. So I think that's what I'm looking into. And, and uh, it all depends on what um, we need as a decor, too. Hey, last one for you here. I've seen video of Bruce Boudreaux. We brought him up a couple of times. Uh, seeing wrestler Kevin Owens and talking WWE wrestling. Like, he's a big fan. Did you know he was a big wrestling guy? And what's your wrestling knowledge? Honestly, I, I had no idea he was into wrestling. And when I saw the video, I just saw the caption that, it was like Bruce Boudreaux is like, this is his favorite guy ever. I didn't even watch the video, so I don't even know what he said. I, so I just you took just that, jacked. okay, Bruce likes wrestling. Yeah, I was like, all right, he likes wrestling, whatever. And I just kept scrolling, so I, don't, I can't really speak on that. But, um, and as far as my knowledge with wrestling, it's pretty much uh, 
uh, nothing. So well, we'll have to get we'll have to get Bruce to talk you into it. Hey, listen, uh, Jack. Yeah. Last year, you this year. I guess it's Luke next year. We know these days can be long, and appreciate you doing it. Hopefully, we can catch up down the road. Thanks for this. Yeah, thank you so much. Appreciate it. There is Quinn Hughes, who did not like his brother call me Sid. No, no, he didn't. We didn't but give him the opportunity. They're both oh. outspoken and a good interview, honest, candid. I would. Uh, I think I would like to have uh, a couple of uh, ice cold pops, bevies, uh, with the Hughes boy. I don't know if one of them's old enough yet. I don't think Luke's old enough mm-hmm. yet. Depending on where you go, mm-hmm. uh, Luke might be old enough. I don't want to ask a clown question. But either way, they they sound they sound like he's nineteen. They would yeah he's in yeah. Canada, he's yeah, you're good. in the United States. Yeah, we, no, 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 no go. He'd have which to was the him. which was the problem with the Bryce Harper question. Bryce Harper didn't know right. in Toronto that at 19 he could go out for a beer. Ignorance is bliss. And then called it the clown question. But, yeah, whatever. All right, we'll take the break. But I want to go out with the Hughes. Yeah. I, would, I would even skate with the Hughes, whatever. Like, they just seem like they're a ton of fun to be around. Mm-hmm. Uh, FIBA World Cup, Women's World Cup, gets going tonight. Canada in action against Serbia on Sportsnet to tip things off. Kia Nurse back on the squad. Can Canada medal? Amy Audibert next. We'll discuss it. What a long way to just say they sound like nice kids. <laughs> the FIBA Women's World Cup tips off tonight in Australia. Sydney to be exact. 12 teams split into two groups. Winner of the tournament getting an automatic bid to the 2024 Paris Olympics. Our Canadian kids open up their tournament against Serbia tonight. 11 p.m. Eastern. 8 p.m. Pacific and you can see it. And all of Canadians. Canada's games, Canadian games, whatever way you want to say it. Hopefully I don't trip on it too much. I already did. Sportsnet, Sportsnet now. All of Canada's games are available for your viewing pleasure on Sportsnet and Sportsnet now. I can't read the promos. I apologize. Here to help set the table is Sportsnet basketball analyst and part of the Maltese contingent set to take over the world, ladies and gentlemen. It's Amy Ottawa. What's up, baby? I'm glad you started where it needs to be, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> yes, with, with the Maltese brethren uh, and sisters. Yes. Um, did you get any time off? Because last year seemed like a whirlwind for you. Yes, I wrapped up CEBL on August 15th, nice. and it's, you know, I've been bored. It's like, you know, I don't know what to do with my, myself when I, there's no basketball, and so I'm like, I'm ready. I, I did well for about three days. <laughs> uh, for those who don't know, this woman covers every sort of basketball there is on planet Earth. And last year, from the NBA to CBL, uh, even some college mixed in there, worked her butt off. All right, so let's talk some ball here since I do have the expert on hand. Canada underway tonight. Uh, they remain ranked fourth in the world, but didn't make it past the group stage at the Olympics. What, what are the realistic expectations heading into this FIBA Women's World Cup? Well, this team is still ranked for fourth in the world, and I think that the expectation doesn't lower. Um, this is an exciting opportunity. Five new faces, Tim, on this Canadian roster that did not play in Tokyo last summer. A new head coach, so a lot of new, um, yet still very competitive. I'm a little drama to it, of course. They open up against Serbia, as you mentioned tonight. This is the first team they played in the Olympics. They dropped it by four points but also shot really poorly so I think as much as we talk about moving forward and looking ahead I think there are some of those players that are going to look to set the tone tonight 
They are four, four and a half point favorites against Serbia, according to our friends at Bet Rivers. So, in, in your mind, just to set expectations here, fourth ranked team in the world, it should be the the gold, the medal every time out for this squad. Well, I think they're still in the phases of developing and figuring out this new system. Um, everything that the national program does is geared toward the Olympics at the end of the day. So right. really, this is just one of those foundational opportunities to get ready for Paris 2024. But when you look, when you're ranked number four in the world and you're playing in the World Cup, I think the podium is realistic, especially in this situation. I mean, obviously, we know the U.S., just much like the men's side, is always kind of going to be the favorites. But Australia playing at home, they're really competitive. Yeah. Canada is right in that mix in this tournament and again what an opportunity for the veterans and really the younger t contingency up and coming to get on the court and start really preparing for 2024 i do think that winning is certainly a realistic expectation in this event all right so new coach at the reigns lisa Talmaitis out victor lapina in how does that uh, translate onto the court well i'm excited to find out uh victor was just kind of getting into Canadian soil during Global Jam had the opportunity to meet him kind of the first impressions there he is there sitting and watching it was a, he has a lot of energy players staff everyone's saying the same thing he wants to run he wants to get up and down he wants to play with a really high tempo which really even in the international FIBA style to physical game it is getting faster and so I expect um, you know you're going to see quick shots I'm sure you're going to see a lot of run and gun and sometimes it gets sticky to look at but I think it's going to be really fun long term. And again, I think there's a lot of younger, really athletic players that are going to fit this style. Hmm. Well, speaking of players, obviously the return of Kia Nurse front and center as we head into the game against Serbia tonight. What can we realistically expect from Kia in her first competitive basketball in what, like 11 months? Yeah, I mean, almost a year ago, she went down with the torn ACL in the W. I believe it was semi. Looks like we have frozen here on the MIME network. I've, I've, I've like hurt everything except my knee. Every single thing except my knee. So I can't, you got me? I got you, but right. you froze halfway through uh, that question. And all, oh, it, it, left, <laughs> it left on the start of the question and then everything but your knee. And I'm guessing you said you've experienced every injury but your knee. So you're not sure how she's going to bounce back? You're better than my Mac, Tim. You knew exactly what I was saying. I, you know, I say, no, I'm not. I, I can't sit here and say I know what it's like to come back from ACL, but I have a right. lot of teammates and I've seen it firsthand. First couple games, I think, are always listen, you spend a time in the weight room, you get full reps, but nothing compares to putting the uniform on and getting into gameplay. So, I mean, at the end of the day, this is where it gets really unique for Canada. Kia does not have the weight of Canadian women's basketball on her shoulders right now. She has before, right? right? I don't think the expectations for her to go in and carry this team. So I think they're going to be patient, allow her to get used to it. Do I expect her to hit, get in there and hit some shots at some point? Absolutely. Um, she's going to have to, right, to really leadership, put some points on the board. But when you look at Natalie Achanwa, I think that that's the player, and Bridget Carlton especially, yeah. the experience, the WNBA pedigree. I think that that kind of shifts a little bit more to them. And I, I, from what I understand and what I've seen, these women are welcoming that challenge. Awesome. Uh, who are the, of the new names on this list, who excites you the most? Well, listen, 
Filipina Che is six foot eight. And along with Taya Hansen, they both play at Oregon together. This is their national team debut. But Philly just stole my heart. Obviously, I'm by, I love watching the bigs. But this is a player that, again, at six foot eight, they brought her into Global Jam thinking, hey, we just want to get her experience. She ends up playing a huge role. I'm really excited to see. And then Leticia, am I here? I'll say the other thing. In terms of Victor Lopiano, like what you said, he wants to play fast. This is a player that's versatile, can switch everything on the defensive end. So I think you're going to see um, the emergence of her. But really, I'm going to be cheering for Philly. I'm like a lifetime fan of that woman because she just steps up, sets monster screens. And and really, there's just so there's a handful of, again, young women that are making their debut on the national team. Yeah, Letitia's got that South Carolina background yeah. that worked well in the WNBA playoffs <laughs> as we saw Asia Wilson capture uh, a title and her second MVP in the regular season. So Asia Wilson is part of the squad for the American team. Like, the U.S. have to be overwhelming. I mean, basically, the WNBA Finals has just shifted over to Sydney here. Okay, this is what I find amazing, Tip. Asia Wilson, Kelsey Plum, and yeah. Chelsea Gray, who were the big three from Vegas, who have been partying. I mean, these parade images, there are cigars. <laughs> yeah, there yes. is a lot of liquid flowing around. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going, they're getting on a plane and going to Australia and competing in the same week. Do I expect that they're going to come out and play game one? Um, I don't know about it, but listen, and what's crazy is there's actually two other players that competed in the finals. Yeah. Um, Brianna Jones and Alyssa Thomas, which is why the WNBA players, in my opinion, still remain like the toughest athletes. They just don't stop. No. But yes, I mean, heavy favorites, of course, the U.S., but I think the rest of the world always kind of invites that challenge. If they are the measuring stick if you want to really, really make a push for gold. I forgot Asia Wilson was at the podium saying, I'm lit. Like she was. Yeah. She was oh, Twitter. Yeah. I mean, Kelsey Plum was yeah. like the cigars. I'm like, that's your lungs, girl. But I mean, listen, I'm, I, I loved it. I live for it. They're hard not to cheer for. Hey, that's, that's tough to do in Las Vegas. A, a championship <laughs> like that, that right there would take some serious restraint not to kind of turn it up a little bit. Yeah, so the forgive forgive them if they take maybe the first game or so <laughs> off. <laughs> uh, all right, we uh, we appreciate you doing this, and congrats that you're back on the Raptors broadcast with Sportsnet. We love having you on the crew. I know Sportsnet PR sent it out a little earlier, so we give you uh, the Tim and Sid slash Tim and Friends horns. Uh, welcome back to the crew, and we'll talk a bunch during the year. Thank you so much, Tim. Uh, there is Amy Otterbert, uh, one of the Maltese folks. Sebi's wife, uh, me, Jeff as a party. There's there's a couple hundred thousand of us. Couple hundred thousand. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta stick together. And 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 I'm telling you, when we play the Faroe Islands in football slash soccer, they're dead meat. Yeah. It's time on. for one last break. That's who we get. Faroe Islands. Maybe Liechtenstein. Faroe with an F. We we take care of Liechtenstein every once in a while. Yeah. Luxembourg, tough matchup. It's a small country. Time for one last break. Flash call next. All right, kids, a reminder as we wrap up, last call here on Tim and Friends. Uh, Blue Jays and Phillies just underway in Philadelphia, the second of a two-game series between the two. Uh, if you want to flip over, we understand. But stick around. We'll have some fun, give you some news before we close it out, and then you can flip, flip over after. Have the Phillies made an error yet? Uh, no cameraman has been hit by a ball as of yet, like Those yesterday. ridiculous. Uh, but what George a highlight Springer has grounded out. What a highlight off. to show yesterday. 
like the game's going on. And we're like, ah, we got a couple highlights. And the first one we yeah, see you, is a kid. You were like I, screaming. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Like it's the first on? inning. It's the t- it's the top of the first <laughs> inning, and they're just pelting cameramen. Like, it was ridiculous. And hitting bombs. And hitting bombs. Uh, okay. Uh, owner Robert Sarver announced today that he's begun the process to sell both the Phoenix Suns and Mercury franchises. NBA Commissioner Adam Silver released a statement saying he fully supports the decision. Sarver was suspended for one year and fined $10 million last week for inappropriate workplace behavior related to racism and misogyny. Mm. But many around the league felt the punishment was insufficient and pressure was mounting to remove Sarver. Are you surprised this happened so quickly? Uh, Am I surprised? No, so quickly, maybe, but I know now how he's going to pay the $10 million fine that he was given. By the, from the profits of selling the team? They bought the team in 2004 for $400 million. It is valued at $1.8 billion right now. So once again, the a-hole owner is going to be severely punished for his ways yeah. by selling the team and making a billion dollars. Like Donald Sterling, I'd love to do an update on where he is right now. V. Stiviano would love to see the update on where she is right mm-hmm. now. Robert Sarver, I said when you told me the initial punishment handed down that the NBA was just doing this, looking to see which way the wind blows, and the wind blew the way that we thought it was going to blow, and good for Robert Sarver to just get the hell out of the way. Do you think this came from Silver behind the scenes, or do you think no, this is just no, Robert this Sarver? This is the players, saying. without a doubt. This yeah. is the players, like it Draymond is, Green. What it he was had always yesterday, LeBron James, yeah. Draymond Green. Uh, people suggesting the whole league knew. It doesn't even have to be players. You walk into your front office mm-hmm. in New York if you're Silver and see your employees looking at you differently because they know that you just treated an owner different than you would treat them. It was never going to last. And maybe he can't fire his own boss, but I think maybe sports. Sports leagues are in, they're in some trouble. And this is a much bigger conversation, but you and I have had it a couple different times in a couple of different ways. They're losing touch with the common man. Whether it's the players, whether it's the owners, whether it's the officials, and people are starting to smell the BS and they don't wanna hear any more of it. They know that every employee would be held to a different standard than the owner and the leagues and the players and the owners and the coaches. They all gotta be careful that they don't appear out of touch. And this was one of those things where they appeared out of touch. Well, I think a, a solution would be to just be a decent human being. Correct. Doesn't seem that difficult. Thank you. Uh, Roger we should Federer. all just yeah. try and be good human beings. That is beings. the goal. Yeah. Forget left, forget right, forget. Just be a good human being and we'll all be way better off. You're here. Uh, Roger Federer met with the media today. Seems like of a good human being. Labor Cup in London. Uh, seems like one of the best in professional sports. This will be his last professional event. Federer has struggled with his recovery from his latest knee surgery and he confirmed today that he'll play just one doubles match this weekend my limitations and this is why I I asked Bjorn if it was okay if I play maybe just one doubles and I guess that one would have to be on Friday night so here I am trying to prepare for one last doubles and we'll see with who it is and um, I'm obviously I don't know I'm nervous going <laughs> going in because I haven't played in so long and uh, I, I hope I can be uh, somewhat competitive I mean it has to be 
It has to be Rafa, right? Yeah, it's it's got. I mean, I just I asked one of our producers like, it's got to be Nadal. Yeah, it has to be. Has to be. Yeah. Like, how could you how could you go out any other way? It's is is his going away? Like, I mean. Serena's going away was like this march and it almost seems anticlimactic. I know he's at his own event and he's trying to push this Labor Cup that didn't work out the way people thought mm -hmm. it was going to work out when they first pitched it, although it's going to be nice to see Felix play in the Labor Cup. Yeah. Outside of that, there's not a lot of real excitement, but it just it feels almost anticlimactic that a guy that many people still think is the GOAT and for a long time was the GOAT yeah. is going out kind of sort of with a whimper Playing doubles, the only thing that saves it if he's playing with Rafael Nadal. Yeah, I mean, I think there's two things with that. I think number one, his personality is pretty understated. That's just been who he has been for his entire career. And then secondly, he hasn't played in a long time. So it's almost like everybody has sort of gotten used to Roger not being around. And maybe that played a role in it. Like he didn't want to go out with a significant whimper, like actually playing in an event, getting smoked. Like this is more of an exhibition type thing. Yeah. I feel like that was probably more comfortable. And Serena had a home tournament to go out in. Yeah. There's no major in Switzerland. We thought she was going to make a run. Like, I think Rogers resigned to the fact that he wouldn't make a run like Serena almost did right. at a tournament like that. Okay, staying with the Labor Cup, you mentioned potentially not very much drama. On paper, it looks like a bit of a mismatch. Not only does Team Europe feature three of the greatest tennis players of all time, they've also got four of the top seven players in the current ATP rankings, yeah. while world number 12, Taylor Fritz, is the highest ranked player on Team World. Meanwhile, in golf, the President's Cup begins tomorrow and it might be just as much Speaking of a mismatch. Of a mismatch. Yeah. The international team has been severely depleted by players that left for the Live Golf Tour and they'll face a US team that features the world number one, Scotty Scheffler, <laughs> and six of the top 10 players in the world. Yeah. The Americans are minus 670 favorites and Team Europe is also a minus 670 favorite at the Labor Cup. So does Team World have a better shot to pull off the upset at the Labor Cup or the President's Cup? I think the answer is the Labor Cup because those players that you mentioned being the greatest of all time are kind of sort of past their prime. Like, I mean, Federer is only going to play the one doubles match. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess Nadal's still pretty Andy good. Murray's not what he once no, was. Andy Murray is not what he once was, without close. a doubt. But it's it's. There's a reason why they're both minus 6'7", 670 favorites. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, all right, the FIFA 23 video game will be released on September the 30th, and in this year's game, you'll be able to play with the fictional football club, AFC Richmond, from the show Ted Lasso. Are you a Ted Lasso fan? You know the answer to this. Yes. Well, every show, I, I kind of sort of tip the cap to them by taking his what's the word Larry Bird and making it, yes, I am a huge fan of Ted Lasso. And also, for the first time, saw the Ryan Reynolds, Rob McElhenney, Wrexham, mm, mm -hmm. AFC. Pretty good. Recommendation from Uncle Timmy? Yeah, okay. not bad. We're going to have to get him on the show. That thing's on FX, too. Yeah. We're have to use some connections. I'm going to look into it. Ryan, yeah, it's good. It's worth watching. Uh, Here's the lineup for tonight. Again, Women's World Cup gets underway tonight. We'll talk to you again tomorrow, everybody. Thanks for watching. Tim and friends.